In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Let us read chapter 1 from the first epistle of St. John. Chapter 1 from the first epistle of St. John. It's only 10 verses. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our, uh, our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Do not love the world, nor the things which are in the world. What is the word that repeated, was repeated several times in this chapter? Hmm? Fellowship. Yes. The word fellowship was repeated several times in this chapter. And we hear in the Divine Liturgy, Abuna says, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So, what is fellowship? And how can we live a true fellowship? Because this is the goal of why he wrote this, uh, this letter, St. John. He said, verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you. Why? That you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Actually, one of the definition of the Divine Liturgy, or one of the titles of the Divine Liturgy, 
we call it fellowship. Communion, we call it fellowship. Uh, we say in, in the introduction to the fraction, uh, and we also are standing in this holy place, uh, grant us Also, uh, we, we ask him to make us worthy for the fellowship and partaking. So we, we say, So the true fellowship is in the divine literature. Because there is one body, and all of us who are members in the same body. There is one cup, and all of us who are members in the same cup, and who partake from the same cup. If we go to 1 Corinthians, turn your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16 and 17. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? That's why we offer only one bread and one cup. We don't bring three or four urbana, or we don't bring four or five cups. In the liturgy, one bread and one cup, as St. Paul explained, verse 17, for we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. So that is our fellowship. That's our fellowship. And by the way, the word liturgy, the word liturgy, liturgy is two words. Lagos, which means people, urge means work. So liturgy actually is the fellowship of the believers who pray together, assemble together. And you cannot have liturgy by yourself. And a priest cannot pray liturgy by himself or with one deacon. At least to pray liturgy, you must have three. Priest, deacon, and congregation. That's liturgy. Uh, St. Paul, in his letter to, uh, to the Philippians, said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Let's think how we participate in the suffering of Christ. How? 
when we partake of his body and his blood, he said, take it, this is my body which is broken for you. That's the fellowship of uh, suffering, broken for you. Take drink, this is my blood which is shed for you. So, that's why the church offers the body and the bread, uh, the body and the blood separate exactly like what the Lord Jesus Christ did with the disciples. And also St. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he told us, I handed you which I learned from the Lord. In order to be a fellowship, a true fellowship in his suffering. And if we have fellowship in his suffering, we will understand the power of his resurrection. When the Lord said, for everyone, every time, you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim my death, confess my resurrection, and remember me till I come. What is the relation? Anybody can say, no, I can proclaim his death outside the liturgy. I can speak about his resurrection about outside the liturgy. Why in the liturgy? Why the Lord said, for every time you eat of this bread and drink of this cup? Because in the liturgy, there is a true fellowship with the suffering of Christ. We drink from the blood that was shed, and we eat from the bread that was broken. So that is a true fellowship. And we will experience the power of resurrection because before communion we were dead because of our sins. But after communion we are alive, given for us for salvation, remission of sins and eternal life to those who partake of him. So in communion I experience the life what does it mean to move from death to life? That's the power of resurrection. That's why the Lord said, for every time you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim my death, confess my resurrection, and remember me. Uh, also, when the Lord before his ascension said, Behold, I am with you all the days and unto the end of the ages. Yes, he is with us. But in the divine liturgy, he is with us in a very unique way. In the fraction that we say it during the fast of St. Mary and in the feasts of the angels, we say, Behold, Emmanuel, our God, is with us today on this table. And there is a hymn called the Oik, the bread of life. 
We say the cherubim and seraphim stand around you and they cannot behold you. But we behold you every day on the altar. So when the Lord said, Behold, I am with you, He is with us literally, literally, bodily, in the divine literature. Uh, I remember in the 70s, St. George Church in Sporting Alexandria published a book, Reflections on the Divine Liturgy by Abuna Shaykh And I remember the first line in, in this book. It says, The greatest activity that the human being do on earth is the Divine Liturgy. There is no greater activity than the Divine Liturgy. Because in the Divine Liturgy, we have our Lord Jesus Christ with us bodily on the altar. No other activity we have God with us bodily like the Divine Liturgy. So in the Divine Liturgy, number one, we have fellowship with Jesus Christ. But also, can we have fellowship with Jesus Christ without having fellowship with, uh, with the Holy Trinity, the Father and the, and the Holy Spirit? Of course not. Because Jesus Christ is one with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. So in divine liturgy, our fellowship is not only with Jesus Christ, but through our fellowship with Jesus Christ, we have also fellowship with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus Christ, we become children to the Father, because He is the Son. And in Jesus Christ, we are one with the Holy Spirit. As you say, in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Not only that, but who else are members in the body of Christ? Not only us who are attending the liturgy, but even the martyrs, the saints, the prophets who departed and now they are in the paradise of Zul. Those whom St. Paul called them the cloud of witnesses. So the cloud of witnesses are members in the body of Jesus Christ. They are one with him. So in the divine liturgy, we are not only in fellowship with the Son and with the Holy Trinity, but also we have fellowship with the cloud of witnesses. That's why when we enter the church, we see the icons around us, because they exist with us. And no wonder in the Divine Liturgy, there is part called commemoration of the saints, because they are with us, we are one with them. We have this fellowship with the cloud of witnesses. And also, we have 
fellowship with one another. Have fellowship with one another. And this fellowship actually with one another takes its strongest form in the Divine Liturgy. Can you see each one of us come to communion, drink, eat from the same body, and drink from the same cup? Means all of us will become members of one body. Before baptism, before you become a believer, you are individual. Individual means what? N means none. Individual from the word divide. So individual, non-dividable. I cannot share myself with others. I am non-dividable. I am being by myself. But after baptism and after I become member, I'm not individual anymore. I'm just a member in the body of Christ. And since I am a member, I am connected with Christ and connected with other believers, whether here on earth or in the paradise of Job. All of us will become members of each other. Some people, they, they say, as I will discuss later today in this lecture, no, 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 I have a personal relationship with Christ. It's not important to be a member in one of these churches. It's not important. It is important to have a personal relationship with Christ. Of course, it's important to have a personal relationship with Christ. But the deceiving part, you cannot have personal relationship with Christ without having personal relationship with others, fellowship with others. That's why Saint John said, I'm writing this to you that you have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Son and the Father. In your body, in your body, each organ is connected with the brain through what we call the nervous system. Each organ is connected with the brain through the nervous system. But also all the, organ, uh, all the organs are connected with each other. Uh, and there is one tissue called connective tissue. Connective means connect all the organs together. We never saw human being have the brain and then from the head there is lung and there is spleen, and there is liver, and there is heart, and these organs are not connected with each other. No, all these organs are connected with each other and connected with the head. So, after this, introdu this introduction, I like to give you some points how to actualize this fellowship in the Divine Liturgy. How to actualize this fellowship in the Divine Liturgy. And I will mention eight points in, to help all of us how to live this fellowship in every Divine Liturgy. 
when I was a little child, I used to spend some weeks from the summer vacation in Upper Egypt with my grandparents. And on Saturday, El Arabni, the one who makes El Urban in the church, in Egypt, one certain person called the Arabi, he makes Urban. <coughs> he used to go to every house of the believers. And every house actually give him some flower. Then from this flower that he collected from the houses of the believers, uh, he picked the Urban. And from this urban, Abuna chose the bread that will become the body of Christ. And I remember, as a little child, I did not understand why he goes from one house to one house. So I asked him, why he doesn't go to one house every week? For example, this week, this house will provide him with the flower. Next week, another house. So it, it will be the same and would be easier instead of going from house to house. And the explanation they told me so that everyone will be represented in the urbana that will become the body of Christ. Because everyone offered flower. So from all this flower that was collected from all these houses, we have this one bread. So everybody is represented. And I like this meaning. It's, it's very deep, very, very deep, how everybody is represented in this Orban. So how, how we can do this? Of course, this is right now, it's very difficult to be done, even maybe in Egypt they don't do it anymore, they just purchase flour and that's it. But the answer, we can get it from 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 16. When St. Paul said, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galicia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, on each Sunday, he can say just first day of the month, but no, they assembled every week. So on the first day of the week, let each one, he did not say let each household, no, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collection when I come. And here, St. Paul actually put a principle in our weekly service, which is to come to the church with our donation, to worship. We come to the church to pray, we come to the church fasting. Also the third pillar 
of the three pillars of worship is charitable deeds giving. So every Sunday when you come to the church, the father, the mother, each child should come with something to offer on that day. Even if you pay your donation once a month. But when you come to the church, you can come even with something very simple, one dollar, fifty cents, whatever. But you need, in order to participate in the liturgy, there is literally called the litany of the oblation. When Abuna says, remember, O Lord, those who offer to you this day this, this offering, and those on whose behalf they have been offered, and those by whom they have been offered. So, when each one of us come to the church with his donation, even the little children, so in this way actually, this is our fellowship with one another. Because all our donation will be offered on the rational altar. And we ask God to accept it as a sweet aroma. So it will not be donation of so and so and donation of so and so. No, the donation of the one body of Christ. All of them, all these donations, are offered together before God on the rational order, as we say, accept them upon your holy rational order in heaven as a sweet savor of incense or sweet aroma. So that is the first thing, actually, how to actualize uh, the fellowship. In, in, in the Old Testament, the Lord said, don't appear before me empty-handed. Don't appear before me empty-handed. And in the, when the deacon says, as was this, to greet one another with a holy kiss, when he says, offer, 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 this was actually the time of offering. And it used to have like, they collect the offering and do the procession and place the offering on the uh, southern uh, altar for God as, as a symbol, it's a sacrifice. We offer it to God so God may accept it as a sweet aroma. It is a sacrifice, as St. Paul said also in Hebrew chapter 13. Number two, how to actualize our fellowship. All of you right now are thinking about fellowship and liturgy. Because all of you uh, listen now to what I am saying about the fellowship and the liturgy. So I can say all of you now have one mind and one thought. And this is the purpose of the reading in every divine liturgy. When we pay attention to the reading, then all of us will have the same mind and the same thought. And when we have the same mind and the same thought, it's a fellowship. It's oneness. 
So, if I'm sitting in the church distracted, not paying attention to the readings, then I actually excluded myself from this fellowship. Today, actually, the Gospel was from the Sermon on the Mountain according to St. Luke. You know, St. Matthew mentioned the Sermon on the Mountain in details, but St. Luke mentioned like a summary, uh, a brief version of the Sermon on the Mount. So the Gospel of today about uh, from St. Luke, the Sermon on the Mount. When all of us will pay attention to the reading, and all of us who are thinking about the Sermon on the Mountain, and how we live this fruit of the Spirit that God taught us love, peace, forgiveness, not judging, when we live all of this together, then we have one mind. And one mind, one thought, is also another sign of our fellowship. We are one together. You know, your mind cannot think about two things at the same time. You cannot. So if all of us are the same body of Christ, then all of us will have one mind. And this mind will be actualized through the reading. That's why it's very important when you come to pay attention. And thank God now you have applications that have the reading so you can follow. And this can minimize your distraction when the reading are read. Number three, how to actualize our fellowship. The holy kiss and the reconciliation. There is no fellowship when we are not reconciled with one another. That's why the deacon says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Holy kiss means there is no vile desires in this kiss. And number two, there is no betrayal like Judas. It is kiss or greeting from a pure heart, genuine. And greet one another with a holy kiss doesn't mean just those who are standing with you in the same pew, but means every believer in your life, whether in this church or attend another church, whether in this city or another city, whether in this country or another country, because all of us are members in the same body of Christ. Because some people like to outsmart God as if they can. Of course, you cannot outsmart God. You cannot. But for example, if I am uh, in conflict with another person, so if he sits in the first pew, I will sit in the tenth pew. So he can say, greet one another. I'm greeting everybody surrounding me. Or if he goes to St. John, I will go to St. Mary Church. It doesn't work this way. This actually breaks and excludes your fellowship. You can ask me what I will do with those who refuse to reconcile with me. Yeah, that's not your problem. It is their problem. 
as long as in your heart you want to reconcile with everybody, then you will not be accountable for those who refuse to reconcile with you. The Lord Jesus Christ wants to reconcile with everybody, but many people reject him. Reject him. But at least greet one another means you are willing to reconcile with every believer in the world. And you have no issue with any believer in the world. This actually will keep your, our fellowship with one another. Number four, the regular attendance to the church. I know now we are in a very difficult time and instead of saying to the people you need to come to the church every week, say no, no, you came last Sunday, don't come this Sunday to give uh, opportunity to others. Yeah, I, I pray that these days will end. Uh, you know, it, it bothers me now how we do our announcement. It's enough to take communion once a month, give opportunity to others. It's not necessary to come every divine liturgy. It's only one every two weeks. Uh, anyway, let's pray that these difficult days will, will end quickly. But in order actually to have fellowship, you need to be a regular attending, attend, attend, attendance of, of, of every divine liturgy, or at least Sunday, the day of the Lord's liturgy. St. Paul in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, he said, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. This is a fellowship to consider one another, to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. There is litany called the litany of the assemblies. And we ask us to grant us to have this assembly without obstacle or hindrance. Because it enriches our fellowship. When we meet every week, we pray together every week, we take communion together every week, we sit in the agape hour together in the spirit of love, and we stir one another in good works. This definitely will enrich our fellowship. That's why he said, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. It, this bad habit start to happen during the time of St. Paul. Some people start to skip Sundays, don't come every Sunday to the church. So he said, no, no, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So when you see the day approaching, you need actually to be more regular and more consistent. Nothing will strengthen our fellowship like being together and attending together and partaking of communion together. Uh, number five, 
the actual participation in the divine liturgy in prayer and in praising. In the divine liturgy, as I told you, you cannot have divine liturgy without at least with three, priest, deacon, congregation. And when actually you read in the liturgy book, the priest says, the deacon says, the congregation says. I want you to remember that in Egypt, when the people actually say, Amin, Amin, Bimautika Rabbin Bashar, or May their Holy Blessing, Barakatul Muqaddasin. You hear the Holy Church actually praying together, and, and their voice actually shake the church. Everybody is participating. Not only one person is singing, but everybody is participating. That's actually the real fellowship. So, when you read in the liturgy book, the congregation, this means you should participate in praying by your heart and by your voice. Not just observer. You are not here in the church to watch a movie or to watch a play. You are a participant in the divine liturgy. And without you, it will not be liturgy. Liturgy is our work together. So without your participation, it's not a liturgy. You exclude yourself from the liturgy. Not only that, but the deacon gives several instructions to the people. Pray for the peace of the one only holy Catholic and Apostolic Orthodox Church. Pray for our Pope. Pray for the bishops and the clergy. Pray for the holy, this holy place. Pray for the waters of the river. Pray is an order, is an instruction, which means when you hear the deacon say pray, you need to lift up your heart and pray. This is actual participation in the divine liturgy. When you say, pray that God have mercy and compassion upon us, you need to lift up your heart and pray. Can you imagine when the deacon says, pray for the peace of the church? And everyone, everyone in the church lift his heart and pray for the peace of the church, for the unity of the church, for the oneness of the church. Isn't it true fellowship? All of us who are praying in the same time, the same prayer, with unity of heart, with unity of mind, that is a liturgy. So you need to be a participant, not observer. Participant in the liturgy. When the deacon says pray, you need to pray. And when you read in the liturgy book, congregation says you need to participate. When Abuna says, let us give thanks to God, I expect the Holy Church 
to say, yes, it is meet and right, it is fitting and proper to give him thanks and to praise him and to glorify him. But to be silent when Abuna says, let us give thanks to God, the Lord would say, I need the ten. Where is the nine? Why these people are silent? When Abuna says, let us give thanks to the Lord, why they are silent? Why they don't give me thanks? I hear the ten, I'm sure you know this story when he healed the ten lepers and only one came back to give him thanks. So the Lord will wonder, why do these people standing in the church are silent? Why they don't shout and say, it is meet and right, it's proper and fitting, it is the right thing to do to give thanks to him. And when Abuna says, lift up your hearts, why we don't respond and say, we have them, we have my heart and my mind and my soul and all my being with God. I needed the divine leadership, wholly dedicated and consecrated to God. That is a fellowship. If you have your heart with God, and if you have your heart with God, and I have my heart with God, then that's fellowship. That's true fellowship. Number six. Uh, don't separate yourself from the spirit of the one uh, only Catholic and Apostolic Orthodox Church. What do I mean by this? Many people now, they advocate what we call individual spirituality. Individual spirituality. I heard uh, many people actually during the time of uh, the lockdown says it's okay, it's time to enjoy your personal time with God. It's not necessary to be in the church to, to have your spirituality uh, growing. No. Uh, yes, of course, uh, at this time we need, in a way or another, to, to be connected with God, but nothing. You cannot actually have a real connection with God without being connected and have fellowship with other members in the church. This concept of individual or personal spirituality is not biblical. The Lord said, if two or three gathered in my name, I will be among them. He said, if two of you agree on something on earth and pray for it, it will be given to them from my fathers in heaven. If the Lord wants us to have this personal or individual spirituality in exclusion of the church, he would not encourage this. He would not say, if two or three assemble in my name, I'll be among them. So, many people 
they practice how to enjoy their personal relationship with God in exclusion uh, or excluding themselves from the church. Well, the church is full of hypocrites. And I don't be a member in one of these organizations. All people who witness are hypocrites. Who are hypocrites and you are judgmental. No. Don't, don't exclude your, yourself. Again, St. John said, we are writing this to you, that you have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Son and His Father. So this concept is that you can have a spiritual life while you are away and separated from the church is a false concept. Satan wants to deceive you. Uh, that's why in First John, the chapter that we read, he said, verse 6, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. Because there is no fellowship between light and darkness, he is light. Walking in darkness meaning doing the work of, of the world. Verse 7. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sins. What is the connection between we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus? Because this fellowship only be fulfilled in the liturgy. So when we have fellowship with one another in the divine liturgy, in which we will partake from his blood, then his blood will cleanse me from all sins. You cannot make connection between the first part and the second part of the verse without having the divine liturgy in your mind. He's saying, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ. So, as if he is saying, only through this fellowship, the blood of Jesus will cleanse us. But what is the connection here? Because, as I told you, there is no real fellowship outside the Divine Liturgy. And the Divine Liturgy, we don't call it Mass, by the way, our Sunday school servants. We don't call it Mass. Mass is a Catholic term. We call it Liturgy, Divine Liturgy. So, the Divine Liturgy, the fellowship with one another, Christ, as He promised us, if two or three gather in my name, I'll be among them. So he will come and be among them bodily, by his body and his blood. And why? To forgive our sins and to bless us. You know, in Uru, we say, Emmanuel, our God, is, uh, is, is with us, with his Father and the Holy Spirit. Why he is with us? The second verse, to bless us and to bless our soul and to heal the sickness of our souls and bodies. Many people separate these two verses 
as if just to think he's with us, he's with us, and then we are saying, little, yeah, we ask you to bless us. No. The meaning of these two verses in Uru Kung of Peace mean he is with us, he is among us, in order to bless us. He wants us to assemble together that he may bless our fellowship. He is among us in order to bless us. So he is with us in this fellowship in order to bless us and purify. How he purify? Through his blood, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all our sins and to heal our souls and our bodies. Number seven. Abuna, in the beginning of the institution narrative, he says uh, he instituted for us this great mystery of godliness. What does it mean, great mystery of godliness? What's the mystery of godliness? And St. Paul, in his first letter to Timothy, says, Great is the mystery of godliness. God appeared in the flesh. عظيم هو سر التقوى الله ظهر في الجسد. وضع لنا هذا السر العظيم الذي للتقوى. What is the mystery of godliness? Godliness in Greek means mid ifsavis. Mid ifsavis has two meanings. Godliness or doctrine. So, now we can understand First Timothy when he said, Great is the mystery of godliness, God appearing in the flesh. Great is this mystery, great is this dogma, great is this belief that God appeared in the flesh. But why God appeared in the flesh? to fulfill all the requirement of the law, to fulfill all the righteous requirement of the law, for my sake and on my behalf. Then actually, when I am united with God who became, who appeared in the flesh, or who became man, then in him I am also righteous. That is the mystery of godliness. So now you see what is the relationship between mystery of godliness and mystery of religion or faith or, or, doct- or doctrine. To believe in the incarnation, this is what will make you godly, righteous. But if you don't believe in, in the incarnation, then you cannot be godly, you cannot be righteous. So the mystery of godliness, which is the mystery of incarnation, is the mystery of doctrine. The divine liturgy, we celebrate the incarnation. 
because the bread and wine change into the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can we have the body and the blood of the Son of God without Him being incarnated? Definitely not. That's why Abuna says, and He instituted for us this great mystery of godliness. Which means, when you believe this is the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, which means you believe in the incarnation, then you become righteous, you become godly. So, when all of us we have the same faith, the same doctrine, the same belief, then we have fellowship. Think about some other denominations, but the non-denominational churches. Non-denominational churches, they tell you, you don't have to uh, change your belief. If you are Orthodox, you can be Orthodox. If you are Catholic, you can be Catholic. If you are Protestant, you can be Protestant. So is there unity here? Is there fellowship here? It's very deceiving. It sounds right, it sounds good, that I'm not going to force you to change your belief. Believe whatever you want to believe. But is this a mystery of godliness? Definitely not. When actually everyone has his own belief, then there is no fellowship. We don't have one mind. We don't have one belief. They deceive the simple people and make them think that is the the best example of Christianity. No, it is not. No, it's not. It's full of deception. The mystery of Godliness means all of us, we have the same belief. The belief that was handed from Jesus Christ to apostles to us. That's the mystery of Godliness. Saint Jude, in his letter, his letter is one chapter. So in his letter, chapter 1, in verse 20, he says, But you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith. Why he used holy faith? Because there is corrupted faith. There is unholy faith. You cannot build yourself, you cannot be godly and righteous if you build yourself on unholy faith, on a corrupted faith. You want to be godly? Build yourself on your most holy faith. That is the faith that was delivered from God to the apostles and the apostles handed it to us. That's your most holy faith. Don't be deceived when they tell you, you know, just forget about the difference in doctrine. We will never be united in doctrine. Just let us be, forget about the differences in, in, in doctrine and focus on just how to live together in the spirit of love. That's deception. That's deception. No real fellowship unless we have 
the same faith, the most holy faith, the faith that was handed from Christ to the apostles, to us. And the last point, I kept it to the end, although it is the most important, to partake in communion, to partake of the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, worthily. Worthily means with a repentant heart. Because if we partake unworthily, it will be condemnation to us. But to partake worthily, then when all of us will partake worthily, then our fellowship will be real. We are in the same body, the body of Christ. Members of the same body, the body of Christ. So these are the eight points how to actualize our fellowship with one another in the divine liturgy. Because the real meaning of fellowship is in the divine liturgy. It is through participating in the offering every divine liturgy, through listening to the readings of the church, through the holy greeting and the spirit of reconciliation, through attending regularly and being consistent in attending all the liturgies, by being a participant, not observer, in the praises and in the prayers in every divine liturgy, don't exclude yourself from the spirit of the one church following the idea or the thought of spiritual or individual spirituality, sorry, individual spirituality. Also, having the same faith, the most holy faith that was delivered from the Lord Jesus Christ to the apostles to us, the great mystery of godliness, the great mystery of religion, and finally, by partaking worthily from the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. This will actualize our fellowship with one another, with the cloud of the witnesses, and also with the Holy Trinity, to whom is glory forever and ever. Amen.